It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And first of all, I apologize for being late on my Tuesday podcast. As many of you may know, I drove to the game in Atlanta with Rob Reichel, which meant a long drive home. We left Atlanta about 4 o'clock a.m. Central Time, and I got back to Green Bay about 7 p.m. Central Time. Went to bed around 11 after actually spending some time with my family. I was a little bit tired, so I did not get up at 5 o'clock as scheduled. My alarm went off at 5 to do the podcast. I'm thinking, they'll understand. I'm going back to bed for another hour and a half until I get up for the kids, so... My apologies, I will get back on a regular schedule here for our later this week. First of all, thank you for listening all season to my podcast. I will continue throughout the offseason. I'm going to try for every day, but I'm telling you, I don't know what I'm going to talk about at times. I do a lot of draft stuff over at PackerReport.com. Um, I talk to a lot of players. I'm not sure how interested you guys would be in player interviews. I'm doing them, and if you guys are interested, let me know, and I'll, uh, I'll publish them or post them for you to listen to. I talk to players who are really good. I talk to players who have really good stories, who maybe aren't great prospects. I talk to a lot of people. So if that stuff interests you, let me know. Let me know what you want. I mean, say I'll review this season and do free agency and all that kind of stuff. But let me know what you want, okay? My email address is packwriter2002 at yahoo.com. That is P-A-C-K-W-R-I-T-E-R 2002 at yahoo.com. And let me know what you want. I mean, if you got questions, fire away. Um, if you have uh, topics for podcasts, let me know. I'm, uh, I'm all ears or all eyes, I guess, if I'm reading your emails. And please check out the rest of the Locked On Network for the Super Bowl stuff. We have Locked On NFL, Locked On NFL Draft. We've got Locked On Patriots and Locked On Falcons to get you ready for Super Sunday. And, of course, check out my work over at PackerReport.com. There is no offseason for me. I will be wrapping up this season for the next week, week and a half or so, and then I'm driving right into the draft. I am so far behind draft-wise. The later the Packers go into the year, the more behind I get. One of the big things I do over at Pack Report is my scouting combine research series. And it started off with me, because I go to the combine every year, and it started off with me doing research in all these guys so I can ask some intelligent questions. And I thought, well, what am I doing all this work for and not publishing it? So I, I will literally write something about every single player. And you know what I found out? Almost everybody has a story. 
everybody's had some sort of hardship that they've had to overcome. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, a family member died or something, or, you know, they're, they're a 4.0 student and they got their college diploma in three years while playing football. Everybody's got a story, and I try to tell as many of them as I can. So that's that's what happens over at Packer Report once I get through wrapping up this season. And, of course, I'll do the big free agency look ahead, right? Packers free agency. That was a joke. Free, feel free to laugh at that. All right, on with the show. We're going to wrap up Sunday's uh, disaster in Atlanta with uh, looks at the offense, defense, and special teams. But uh, first... We're going to look at uh, a few of the injuries and, and, and where things go from here. And the logical place to lead off with that would be with guard T.J. Lang. As I mentioned in, on the post-game podcast with Keith, he re-injured his broken left foot. And it was it really was still broken. He just basically played through it a heel for a couple weeks, and then he got playing on it. So he re-injured that. But he's not going to play in the Pro Bowl because he's having hip surgery. And, that, and so here's a guy who's had he had shoulder surgery last offseason, hip surgery this offseason, and a broken foot during the season. And it makes you wonder, he's a free agent. What on earth are the Packers going to do with T.J. Lang? From one angle, he's a Pro Bowl right guard, and the offensive line is the lifeblood of this team. And that's what makes Aaron Rodgers successful, is, is the offensive line giving Rodgers all this time to work his magic. Now, last year, you looked in reserve and you thought, you know, Lane Taylor's played some pretty good football. And you thought, and you felt okay with the depth there. Then, of course, ultimately they got rid of Josh Sitton, and Taylor ends up starting. They really have no depth there. When Lang went down with the broken foot and missed those three games, uh, Barclay started one game, then uh, Jason Spriggs, the rookie second-rounder, stepped in after that. You know, Spriggs is not made to play guard. He is a offensive tackle. So I don't, I don't know how viable that is. Um, Barclay's a free agent, too. I would think you could resign Barkley for cheap, but I think the Packers know full well what to expect out of Barkley. He's a valuable role player. He's a nice backup, but I mean, you can't possibly go into a season starting him for 16 games or, well, we'll play off 17, 18, 19, or 20 games. I mean, that's just not going to work. I, I suppose they could move right tackle Brian Balaga into guard and put Spriggs at right tackle. But, you know, if you do that, then in theory, you're actually weakening two spots because. Block is a really good player, but is he going to be a, as good of a right guard as T.J. Lang was? Then obviously, is Jason Spriggs going to be as good of a right tackle as Blaga is? I would say probably, probably not on, on Blaga playing guard. He's probably not going to be as good as Lang was, and certainly not with Spriggs replacing Blaga. So then, if you know, if you're going to, if you're going to let Lang go, I mean, then you're almost forced to draft a rookie high and start him right away, which not ideal. I, you know, I, I think, I think guard. I think there's probably a pretty good track record at guard. Just my sense of of draft history. I certainly haven't studied. I'm, I'm probably going to have to. But my sense is there's probably probably a pretty good history with with guards drafted in the first, second, third round and coming in and playing pretty well. I know the Bears felt really good about Cody Whitehair from Kansas State this year. He stepped in at guard and did really well. But man, it's, it, either way, I mean, the, the odds of you having a Limited drop-off from Lang are pretty slim. But how much money do you want to stick into TJ, right? And I, I really like TJ Lang. A, he's a great player. B, he's always great to us. He gives, gives you the best answers in the locker room. Always thoughtful stuff. He's got time for you. But, you know, he's, he's north of 30 now. And the injuries are piling up. And how much 
And look, the guy's going to get paid this offseason, whether it's here or somewhere else. He's going to get paid a lot of money. And how much money do you want to budget for a 30-year-old guard who's showing some signs of possibly breaking down physically? It's going to be a big decision. And, you know, Ted Thompson's got a lot of big decisions. But the one at guard is really interesting to me because you gotta, you'd like to keep this line intact, but how much is too much? A great question, and it's something that we'll explore a lot deeper. We'll have a lot of free agency talk going forward, so we'll probably go skim deep, skim, not skim deep, not skim milk deep, but skin deep. It's a good thing I, it's a good thing I write in English because I, I can, I can d- delete my mistakes when I write. It's, it's when I do the podcast and I call it skim deep, and I say, oh crap, well I'm not going to restart the podcast. So, anyways, I think I think that's a big decision there. Then you know a bunch of the other injuries. I, yes, it was. Look, the injuries had nothing to do with the outcome. You know, the, the the Packers started dropping like flies. You know, long after the outcome had decided. You know, the the first big ones were uh, right guard, or excuse me, left guard Lane Taylor and uh, nickel corner Micah Hyde going out. But at that point, it's already seventeen nothing, and you know, it's, so the you know, the injuries really had nothing to do with the outcome. But it really was indicative of the year, wasn't it? I mean, the Packers were beat up all year long, and. All of a sudden, I mean, they they lost seven guys, seven key guys. I mean, starting, starting with the opening kickoff, Kentrell Bryce comes down, just whacks um, Eric Weems' returner and goes up for the shoulder injury. I mean, that's your dime defensive back. They they probably played dime, you know, fifteen snaps in that game. And, and, and you know, if the game would have actually been close, and the Falcons would have actually thrown the ball in the second half, they'd have played a lot more dime. So that that was a big loss right off the bat, and. And you lose both guards, and by the end of the game, you've got Latroy Guyon playing a guard. Of course, you know, again, it's it's forty-four to twenty-one at that point, so that injury is rather irrelevant too. But you know, Tom Montgomery dropped out of the game, and so none of the, none of those injuries are major, other than than TJ's foot. But kind of a fitting end to the season, you know. And the other guy who got hurt that we just mentioned was Micah Hyde. He'll also be a free agent. And another really interesting question is what, do Ted, what does Ted Thompson do with Micah Hyde? Micah Hyde made a lot of money during the second half of the year. I thought he lost some money the first half. The second half, he was one of the best guys. But he's limited, right? I mean, how much money are you going to spend on Micah Hyde? And how much money is someone else going to spend on him? It's, it's an interesting question. I mean, he's, he's 5'11", so he's not tall. He's not super fast. You know, and you know, there's guys who give him fits. And coverage, but he's so versatile. I mean, he can do everything for you. He can he can play in a slot. He can play safety. You know, he can return kicks and punts. I mean, he's a he really versatile guy. And, and those guys are worth their weight in gold. It'll be just be interesting to see how much the Packers want to spend for him. Um, that being said, the defense stinks. We've all known this, right? I mean, I mean, we've talked about this. I, I was under no pretense that this defense was good. And I, I did um, I did the uh, TV on, on WBAY uh, Packers pregame or Packers preview show with uh, Jason Wilde and Rob Domoski from ESPN on Thursday night. I, I, I did that, and and they're talking, and I got I, I, I flat out said the defense stinks. I mean, and I you know, I thought they're looking back. I had a third eye, but I mean, geez, Louise, I mean, there, there's no spinning it. They stink, and Micah, losing Micah Hyde and letting Micah Hyde go. Is it going to help anything? So again, I, I think like t- with the, like just like TJ, I, I think you'd like to keep him, 
But how much money is too much money? It's a, a, a really interesting question there. Now, in theory, they have money from, from Sam Shields to be used. Um, I looked it up. Shields has a cap number of $12.125 million for 2017, and that includes $8 million in salary and $1 million in bonuses. So that's $9 million that you wipe off the books. So he, Shields cap number, the, the, the signing bonus left over is $3.125 million. That would count against the cap. So if you cut Shields, he counts $3.125 million, and you free up $9 million. Now, that certainly would help you sign Hyde and Lang, right? I mean, it's not going to pay for all of it, but it would certainly help in that direction. So, I mean, I wouldn't... You know, me, and, me and Rob Domofsky and, and Tom Silverstein from the Journal Sentinel, we, we saw Sam walking, out, walking away from the Packers locker room after the game on Sunday. We quick, quick got him for about a minute and a half. Sam wants to play again. I think Sam is crazy. I mean, he's had four concussions. He missed four games late last year in all but about three and a half quarters of this season. And that is a bad, bad sign. And, and I... And I'm not a doctor. Maybe, maybe he can find, talk to five neurologists, and every single one of them will say he's going to be fine. Now, again, I don't think that, I don't think that would happen, but I, I suppose he could. But if you just missed a whole year and you miss a bunch of last year, and you've had four concussions in the in the NFL, I really hope for Sam's case that someone close to him, or not someone, some ones, plural, close to him, say Sam. You're a really good football player. If you come back for the Packers one more year, you're going to make a lot of money. But you've made a lot of money. Look out for your family. Look out for yourself. I mean, look, we, we've all read the stories about guys who are complaining about, you know, early Alzheimer's and memory loss and headaches in, in the link to football, which, you know, it has not been well established. You know, I, talk, I, read a, I read Discover Magazine. It's a science magazine. You know, there was a story in there saying that you know, for all the for all the uh, circumstantial evidence linking playing football to all this, all the troubles that players of the past are having, there's really no link to it, um, and, and the the jury is really is out. Anyone, I, I, I know Roger Goodell, the commissioner, said that a few times, and I know so many people in my business jump on Goodell, thinking and saying, "Well, you're just saying that to cover your, I'll say to cover your ass from lawsuits," but. Now, this is a, you know, it's, it's, I'm reading in my science magazine, and there's legitimate scientists out there who say who agree with Goodell on this that it's not well established. Nonetheless, I just hope someone around Sam or some people around Sam say, "Sam, enough's enough. Worry about you and your family, and you know, let the money go. And you know, don't don't make matters worse." So that's that's what I hope. But uh, you know, again, these guys think differently than we do, and it's why they are who they are. Is they're they're wired differently than we are, and. But I would be very, 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 I could say very for the next 10 minutes, very surprised if Green Bay brings back Sam Shields for next season. All right, takes us to second down, and I'll be looking at Green Bay's offense against the Falcons. You watched the game. What the hell am I going to say? At the end of the day, Rodgers has good stats, but it's, it's all garbage. The first half, when it, when it all matters, Rodgers 12 out of 17, 119 yards, no touchdowns, the one interception, you know, the interception is basically a punt, so who cares? And a 65.6 pass rating. I had put together a bunch of numbers in my, my when, when it was Rachel's turn to drive yesterday, back from Atlanta. I put together a whole bunch of numbers in the post-game numbers piece that I always do. Here's the 
best number I got. This, this shows you the dominance of that game. The Falcons, in the first half, the Falcons had 20 first downs. The Packers ran 21 plays. All right, I'll just figure I'll let that sink in with a moment of silence there. 20 first downs Atlanta, 21 plays for Green Bay, and it was just a disaster. The one thing that struck me was the pass protection. Of course, that struck you too, but here's the angle I'm looking at here. I did a story at Pack Report early December. I remember at my, I was at my father-in-law's house, father-in-law and mother-in-law's house for, for Thanksgiving, and we were watching the games, and the late game that night was was the Colts against Dallas. Remember this is the afternoon game. It makes no difference. Whatever. Colts, Colts Dallas. No, it wasn't. It was, it was not a game. It was Colts-Pittsburgh. Excuse me. Colts-Pittsburgh. And Scott Tolzien started a quarterback for the Colts. I was excited to see him. I thought, I thought Scott would do well. I, said, I, think he, I honestly think he's a really good quarterback. Scott, get the, Scott got the crap beat out of him that night. The Steelers blitzed and blitzed and blitzed and blitzed. And it's like the Colts had never seen a blitz in their life. Tolzien got the crap kicked out of him. Again and again and again, the Steelers had unblocked blitzers coming through there. And I'm thinking, this never happens in Green Bay. The Packers have some sort of formula between the, you know, Edgar Bennett is, I, th- I think he's kind of the, the blitz guy. And now it's from Pelt, the quarterback's coach, and obviously Aaron Rodgers at the line of scrimmage, the offensive line at the line of scrimmage. The quarterback never gets hit on that never, but the quarterback very rarely gets hit by unblocked blitzers because they have it all diagnosed. And because they block up the blitz, Rodgers just destroys blitzing defenses. And that's why, by and large, teams don't blitz the Packers. Because Rodgers kills it. And why does Rodgers kill, Rodgers kill it? Because they block up the blitz. Well, Dallas got through there in a playoff game. And clearly Atlanta took notice. Atlanta coach Dan Quinn and the defensive coordinator Richard Smith, they blitzed Rodgers right out of the box. And they beat the crap out of him in the first half when, when the game mattered. You know, the, God, we all will remember uh, the sight of uh, Falcons rookie slot corner Brian Poole coming untouched off the slot and drilling Rodgers twice, including that one when they're backed up, where Rodgers' neck just snapped like he got into a car accident. He got right up and, you know, like the old Timex commercials, takes a lick and it keeps on ticking. But, man, he just got whacked. And, you know, the, the Packers didn't know what the hell was going on I mean, they would, they'd blitz him up the middle. I remember Deion Jones, the Falcons linebacker. I think it was the Packers' first series. Green Bay, yeah, first series, third down. Green Bay's in scoring range. Jones comes f- flat free up the middle. Now, Deion, yeah, Deion Jones comes flat free up the middle. Rodgers escapes from it, but Deion Jones runs like the wind, which is why so many Packers fans wanted him as a first-round draft pick. You know, Rodgers manages a throwaway. Everybody complains about he puts a hole in, they don't get the call about whatever, then Crosby misses the field goal. So, you know, between the up-the-middle blitzes by Jones, they got to through a couple times in the, in the corner pressures, they really, really had Green Bay flustered, and and that played a big reason in why it's 24 nothing in halftime. Of course, and we talk about this in the podcast, it's so close to being a close game. You know what? Again, this isn't... This isn't a uh, excuse making. It's not saying that Green Bay doesn't have a lot of work to do because they do because they got their asses kicked. But you know, Cross misses the field goal, the Rupkowski fumble. There's ten points off the board. You know, we'll talk about it later on the defense. They miss some opportunities for turnovers for which would have meant more point swings. 
man, they got work to do, obviously. And this Green Bay offense is great, but you go into this offseason, you, I mean, you got to sign Jared Cook. But he's played so darn well. Jared Cook's going to get a crap load of money. A lot of money. And it's going to be up to Jared Cook and, and his agent to determine, okay, I can get X amount from here. But for the first time in my career, I really hit my potential in Green Bay. And do I maybe stay for less? Or how, maybe Green Bay will open the bolt for the guy. I don't know. Maybe they'll franchise tag him. I suppose that's possible too. But got to keep him. Again, we'll talk about these guys in, in depth. I got, I, got a lot, I got a lot of off-season cover. So we'll talk about these guys in a lot greater depth here down the road. But anyway, the offense was just Green Bay third down in the first half. One out of four. If it's just 127 yards. So again... At the end of the game, Green Bay stats are kind of okay, but it doesn't matter. Give credit to Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams. They did, they did as well as humanly possible. Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at my stats here, so sorry about the crinkling papers here. End of the game, Jordy Nelson, six catches, 67 yards. What can you say about that? I'm speechless. I didn't think he'd play, but, I mean, broken ribs, I mean, you know, I, I got a, I got a someone, someone messed or, you know, hit me on Twitter. And said, well, "Of course he's going to play. I mean, it's you know, it's winner go home. I mean, you got to play. Just suck it up." And I'm thinking, see, and it's not not nothing. It's what I said. Well, it's easier for you to say on your couch, and it's easier for me to say from my seat in the press box. But if you got a broken rib, you know, and from at that game when he got hurt against the Giants, Riders goes to the hospital. Why? For fear of internal damage. And that's the question when you when you got a broken rib is you know what happens if you know some pointy part of that broken rib stabs you inside where it shouldn't stab you. So, if God bless, you know I've said this before. God bless guys like T.J. Lang for playing through it and Bakhtiari and Jordan Olson and you know there's guys like this with every team throughout the league who suck it up and sacrifice for the team. It's remarkable. So Nelson six for sixty seven. He played really well. Not a lot of burn-after-catch stuff there. He was, he was looking to get down for obvious reasons, for logical reasons. Okay, keep your eyes closed. Okay. I want to show you my first-ever painting. Ooh, all right. Okay. Open your eyes. Oh, that's a lot of colors mm-hmm. <laughs> and shapes. So be honest. What do you think? Well, uh, I like how if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Here, why don't I hold your paintbrush while you call them? Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. Devontae Adams in hand did nothing. Three catches, 16 yards, and a touchdown. Not a criticism of Devontae Adams. God bless him for suiting up and trying. You could tell they're in pregame. Now, I sit, during the games, I sit right next to Demofsky. We're watching him during during the pregame. You know, he just—he was not exploding out of his cuts. You could tell he was a shell of himself, but you know he tried. And you you don't you don't knock anybody for trying. And that's what I said on that in my uh, my pregame prediction podcast and on and about fifty eight radio interviews. To me, the entire Green Bay um, fate boiled down to whether Devonta Adams could be Devonta Adams. And I said it again and again and again. And I said it in my pregame prediction video. If Adams isn't Adams, the Packers are going to lose. Because they overcame Nelson. But Adams is the Adams has become like, such a difference maker. Was it whether it was the deep stuff or the you know, slants of him running through a tackle, getting more yards? I thought Devontae Adams is the key to everything, and if he wasn't him, they would lose. 
and they lost. And this isn't patting myself on the back because they, you know, they, they, they lost for a myriad of other reasons other than Devontae Adams having a bad ankle, but certainly didn't help matters. And then the, the running game is just a complete non-factor. Rodgers had 46 yards. Everybody else combined had 53. You know, the Rupkowski fumble just kills him. Great run. And then he coughs it up at the end of it. And then, you know, it, you know there's, there's a chance. It's 10 nothing at that point. It's a chance, a really good chance to get within 10 to 7. At 10 7, hey, you're right back into it. And, you know, that's what Rodgers said before the game. And he said, he said it, you know, throughout the year. You have to withstand the home team's opening surge. And then you have to have a response. And Atlanta, sure enough, hit him with that opening surge. But Green Bay had no response. They almost had it. Crosby misses a field goal. Rupkowski fumble, and then Atlanta takes that Rupkowski fumble, drives down for 17 to nothing. And at that point, I don't know about you, but I started writing my game story. In fact, I had that Rodgers anecdote right there about having, you know, was saying that first punch. I started writing my game story based on that line. Game was over in my book. It's 17 nothing. That's it. And I knew they had the ball coming out of the second half, and that's why at 10 nothing, okay, fine, whatever. It's 10 nothing. You get within a score, you get the ball coming out of halftime, you score again, and, and all is good in the world. But they don't do that. It's 17-0 and the game is over. The most disappointing thing to me, well, not the most, there's a lot of disappointment, is 24-0 in halftime. You go three and out. You know, Jared Cook had two drops. One was a tough one. You know, it was a tough ball. It was closely guarded. I mean, Rodgers put the ball in a great spot, but a tough catch. But, you know, Cook drops two. Rupkowski dropped one. Uh, I think Nelson dropped one. You know, this came out and just had four drops right off the bat. You know, you know, then then you, then your goose is cooked. So a terrible game for Green Bay's offense. You know, Atlanta's defense is better than I thought. I'll be honest. I thought you know in that TV show I was telling you about. I said Green Bay's defense stink. I also said Atlanta's defense stunk, and I was I was wrong. They've got a lot of speed. and They've come a long way since these guys played in Week Eight. They got so much speed. First round safety, Ken O'Neill. Second round pick, Deion Jones. Fourth round pick, Devondre Campbell. They played a lot of snaps and they played well. And look at Green Bay's rookie class. Kenny Clark played well, but the rest, you know, Jason Spriggs didn't play much, didn't have to play much for second round pick. Third round pick, Kyler Fackrell. Played one snap of defense. No, he didn't play, no, he played zero snaps of defense in the playoffs. Fourth round pick, Blake Martinez. Played one snap against Dallas and then played some against Atlanta after Jake Ryan got hurt. And Dean Lowry played about a dozen snaps. So other than Clark, the Green Bay got nothing from its rookie class. And while Atlanta got three starters and three difference makers. So again, we'll get into the rookie review stuff down the road. But those are just some of the things that stuck out for me on offense and defense. All right, third down. And then is Atlanta's offense against Green Bay's defense. Like I said a minute ago with the offense, what the hell am I going to say? You saw the game. Well, I got stuff to say. Matt Ryan, 27 for 38, 392 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, a 139.4 rating. In his last six games, he's been over 125 every time. Ryan, just the fourth quarterback in NFL playoff history, four touchdowns, no one, or four touchdowns, and one touchdown rushing. He didn't run for a touchdown since 2012. God. Um, go to the first half stats. I'll go to the stats here. I, I want to refresh my memory before I recite this to you. Here we go. 
first half, Ryan 22 for 32. Again, this is when the game matters. 22 out of 32 for 271. And then he gets a 73-yard touchdown to Julio Jones. So at that point, Ryan's got 344 yards. So really the only thing that stopped Matt Ryan was the scoreboard. Because for the last, well, look, that, that play came out with basically 13 minutes to go in, in the third quarter. So basically, for most of the last two quarters of the game, Ryan threw five passes the rest of the way. So the only reason why Ryan threw for <coughs> only, <coughs> only, <coughs> only 394 yards or whatever the hell I just said was because he didn't have to throw the ball anymore and the game was a massacre. But what did you expect? Right? We all knew this was going to happen. This is why I had two commentaries at Packer Report, including one yesterday for three. This is Ted Thompson's fault. Everybody wants Dom Capers fired. And you know what? I get it. Maybe he will get fired. And I certainly, for you guys saying that, I understand. Here's my argument against it. What in the hell was Tom Capers supposed to do? I don't know. What is he supposed to do? In the NFL, here's how you win championships. You have good play at quarterback, and you have great play at pass defense. And I would have said great play at quarterback, but Denver showed last year that you can have crappy play at quarterback and still win. If your pass defense kicks everybody's ass, and they and Denver's did, and that's how you win in this league. Your quarter, your quarter, your pass defense has to be better than the other guy's pass defense. Because look at Green Bay's playoff path. To get to the Super Bowl, they would have had to have beaten Eli Manning, a two-time Super Bowl champion. They did. They would have had to have beaten Dak Prescott, who might not be a great quarterback, but because he's got a great running game, he's a very efficient quarterback. And then you would have had to beat Matt Ryan. And then you would have had to beat Tom Brady. Look at Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta had, look at it. Atlanta's got Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and now they're going to have to beat Tom Brady. New England got a semi-bye week against Osweiler, but they're going to have to beat Roethlisberger and Ryan. So your quarterback is huge, obviously. But you have to stop the other quarterback. You have to stop the other quarterback. And what the hell did Ted Thompson do? He stuck Dom Capers with Ladarius Gunter, Demarius Randall, and Quentin Rollins. Well, good effing luck with that, right? What in the hell is Capers supposed to do? Again, if you want to, if if Mike McCarthy fires Dom Capers at the end of this, I will certainly understand. Dom's been here a long time, and maybe it's time for some fresh ideas, um, a new voice, and, you know, especially the ideas part of it. I mean, Dom, Dom stuff is well known now. Maybe it's time to make the other team scout shit a lot harder. So if you want to get rid of Capers and you're at net your argument, I'm not going to argue against it fully. I will argue against it based on the, on the performance of this team. Because you could have Vince Lombardi. Hell, you could have had Jesus Christ come on. Come on. Sorry to Pastor Don. I probably shouldn't be using the Lord's name in, in, a, in, a, in the context of an NFL podcast. But give me a game plan that wins with those three. Demarius Randall stinks. Now, I'm not ready to give up on the guy. He's been beat to hell this year with all these injuries. And maybe, maybe he gets healthy and he can play like he did as a rookie in 2015, and then take a step from there as the season progresses. But as far as this year went, he stinks. Now he doesn't cover anybody very well, but he tackled. What? I could tackle better than that. 
Not that I could have tackled Julio Jones, but that was feeble, and that's been that's been an all year sort of thing. You know, again, he's been he's had a shoulder injury for quite a while. Maybe it's the shoulder. I wouldn't think it's hard to tackle anybody with the shoulder, especially if you're a hundred and whatever two hundred pounds, whatever Demarius Randall is. I'm sure that's no picnic. But he stunk. Quentin Rollins stunk. And he was hurt too. Again, let's see these guys get healthy. And I've said this a hundred times throughout the year. I've said it on this podcast, and you know, even Demarius Randall, maybe Demarius Randall listens to this podcast because he did the exact same thing I did. Look at Devontae Adams. I will speak generally here by saying this because this, is, of course, is not true. But you all wanted the Packers to get rid of Devontae Adams. You wanted him benched last year, and you wanted him cut in training camp in lieu of Jared Aberderis and Jeff Janis. You all wanted him cut. Again, I know you didn't all want him cut, but to make my point here. Most of you, many of you, wanted Devontae Adams cut. And look what he did. Devontae Adams was unhealthy last year. I told you that. Everybody told you that. None of you cared. He was hurt last year, and his play reflected that. So maybe Randall or Rollins will be healthy next year, and you'll then they'll play like first and second round picks, and your crappy secondary gets better. But this secondary was crap. I would say something else, but I probably shouldn't say it. I'm fired up, though. Sam Shields goes out with a concussion in week one. He's your best guy, and he's a damn good corner. He's out for the year. You're counting on Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins, and they stink because they're hurt. They're not any good either. Your number one corner is Ladarius Gunter, and God bless Ladarius Gunter, but to match him up against Julio Jones and Odell Beckham Jr. and Des Bryant in the playoffs, well, good luck with that. And I think he's a good player, Gunter is. He's a good number three corner. And maybe maybe it's some more experience. Look, he didn't play last year. Barely. He played like 10 snaps on defense or something like that. He didn't play. So now he's got all of these snaps for season. Maybe he's even better next year. But every team in the league has a stud receiver. Especially the playoffs. I mean, every team in the league has a stud wide receiver. Some teams have two, like Atlanta or three. But every team has one. Really, Ladarius Gunter against Julio Jones. And look, you could have put Sam Shields on Julio Jones, and it, it might have been the same deal. But seriously, what the hell is Dom Keeper supposed to do with that secondary? I don't know of any game plan that is going to beat Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Muhammad Sadu, uh, Taylor Gabriel with those corners. And then you lose Micah Hyde on top of that, and then you're really up a creek. So, pass defense stunk. And here is the ultimate indicator of the pass defense stinking. And I put this out on Twitter. And this is the centerpiece of my posting members piece. But I'll tell it to you. On third down, Atlanta 10 out of 13. That was like 76.9%. That is the worst, or in Atlanta's case, the best, third down conversion rate in NFL playoff history. Let that sink in for a minute. The worst in NFL playoff history. I mean, why? You know what? Caper said these guys exactly where he wanted them. He had a third. He had some third and eights, some third and tens in there. He had first and fifteens. He had second and elevens. Green Bay stopped the running game. They did do that well. You know, Freeman and, and Coleman didn't do anything against them, so they they stopped the running game. And they had Ryan right where he wanted, but they can't cover those guys. So ten out of thirteen. And in each of those touchdown drives, and when it's up twenty-four nothing, each of those each of those scoring drives 
Ryan converted at least one third and long, at least a third and eight or longer. Those are the downs that you have to win, and you win that because you can cover. But they can't cover anybody. Those guys, all they're terrible. Now, maybe, 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 maybe you get your Devontae Adams scenario like I've laid out, and those guys get better, and uh, you, you draft a corner in the first round, and he's a hit, or God forbid Ted Thompson signs somebody. But you've got to get better there, and maybe you'll be fine next year. But until the secondary gets fixed, these guys aren't going to win a Super Bowl, but you have to stop people from passing the goddamn football, and they can't do it. And they haven't done it all year. Green Bay had the eighth-worst opponent pass rating for any playoff team ever. And they had the second-worst passer rating, opponent pass rating, for any team that ever got to a conference championship game. Second-to-worst pass rating ever for any team in a conference championship game. And this is Ted Thompson's fault. Again, I understand this. There are, when you go to street for agency, there are reasons why those guys are unemployed. They're not good players. But, Try. He tried at running back. He tried with a trade for Niall Davis. It didn't work. Fine, he tried. Then he signed Kristen Michael. You know what? That, that kind of worked. It wasn't a great work, but it kind of worked. You know what? You take kind of worked in the secondary, right? Kind of worked with him better than Herb Waters. No offense to Herb Waters, who, as I referenced to Mike McCarthy when I went down this road with McCarthy, when they promoted Waters, I said, Mike, Herb could become the best cornerback in NFL history. But this is the playoffs. It's time to go win football games. And would you like your general manager to get your cornerback? That's basically what I said. And of course, he didn't answer the question because you know he's not going to go rip on his general manager heading into a playoff game. I certainly understand it. But I had to ask. They won the playoffs. You need a corner and they sign Herb Waters. What in the hell is he going to do? Go try. Try on somebody. There are guys who have actually played football in this league. I don't, you know, everybody, of course, wanted Charles Tillman to play. I have no idea if Tillman could help you. He had a torn ACL in January or late December of last year. You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he rehabbed that injury like a football player. I mean, the guy retired. Or if he rehabbed his injury like a guy who's just trying to go about his normal walk of life. Maybe he couldn't have helped. You know, quite possibly he couldn't have helped. But, you know, I know there was, you know, Brandon Bronner was out there. There are guys who, honest to God, played football in this league. Um... I think Daryl Simon from the Seahawks is available. There are guys who've played in this league before who could have helped. Even for 15, 20 snaps a game, they could have helped you. And instead, you trotted those guys out there, and they got destroyed. Well, what in the hell did you think was going to happen? And that's why I picked against the Packers every single week in these playoffs. Because I knew this was going to bite them in the ass at some point. You did too, probably. I mean, we all got excited about the prospects of a Super Bowl, right? I mean, hell, I want to, I want to go to a Super Bowl. It's what, I, it's what I go in this business for. It's big football games. But I knew this was going to happen, and I got the Cowboys pick wrong, and I got the Giants pick wrong. But Atlanta was the only team to use some common sense. Matt Ryan threw 32 passes in the first half. Well, hello. What in the hell was Ben McAdoo doing in that Giants game? Putzing around with running the football. Throw the football. You should have thrown 40 passes to Odell Beckham Jr. against Gunter. And you probably would have hit on enough of those passes to win the football game. I don't want to criticize Gunter. You know, it's like it's like when people criticize Don Barclay for playing uh, poorly at right tackle um, in, was it 2011 or 2012 when, when Balaga went down? It's not Don Barclay's fault. Don't blame Don Barkley for playing poorly. 
He's not supposed to be in that spot. You know, it's when Barclay played left tackle in the, in the Arizona game. Don't blame Barclay. It's not, it's not his job to play that position. You know, you, you got you to gotta have some logic here. It's not Ladarius Gunter's fault that he got beat by Julio Jones like a drum. Julio Jones beats everybody like a drum. But, so I don't, I'm not blaming Gunter for this. He did the best he could, and God bless the kid. The guy never blinks. He is one mentally tough SOB. To go do that again a week after week after week after week against number one receivers and expect Gunter to get the job done. And he did at times. But to expect this, uh, the secondary, I mean, again, Atlanta was smart. They just came out saying, screw it. We're going to throw the football. We're going to make our advantage. Look, this is a Mike, they had a Mike McCarthy game plan. You know, how many times did you see McCarthy just come out chucking the ball because he knew that his. His receivers and his quarterback are better than the other guys, and he would destroy the other team because that's logic. And you know, Atlanta's uh, Kyle Shanahan used logic. You look at his receivers and his quarterback, and he probably looked at Green Bay's defensive backs and laughed himself silly putting together a game plan. It was ridiculously easy, as you would have expected. So Thompson's got to get this fixed. It's obviously way too late for this year because he screwed this up royally. Again, I don't know if there's anybody out there who could have helped him. He could have signed four guys uh, between the middle of October through the end of December. It might have been the same result. It very well, could have, very well could have been the same result. But try. Bring in somebody and, and take a shot at it. And he didn't do it. And he screwed his defensive coordinator. And he screwed this football team. Because he put out a pass defense that had no way... The sneak, hell, a snowball would have a better chance of surviving in hell than these guys had a chance of surviving against the kind of quarterbacks that you play in the playoffs. Because these are who you play in the, in the, in the playoffs. You don't play Matt Barkley, right? You don't play uh, Sam Bradford, the Vikings, who's a good quarterback, but playing behind a third-string left tackle and a second-string right tackle because their O-line's beat to hell. You play these kind of teams in the playoffs, and you have to be ready to beat these kind of teams and they weren't ready. And for that, if you're gonna, if you want to fire Dom Capers, that's fine. But don't fire him for this crap because it ain't his fault. All right, takes us the fourth down in Green Bay special teams. This will be a short segment because there's not a whole lot to report on special teams because not much happened. Both teams punted twice. Matt Bosher, Atlanta's punter, uh, was two for two on getting Green Bay inside the twenty. Got him inside. I think got him at the ten twice. Jake Shum had a couple of bombs. Shum really punted well. He's a restricted free agent. Green Bay's not going to tender him. That, uh, tendering a punter costs you a lot of money. But I certainly would think Green Bay would like to sign him again. He, he really did well. And I, I will... Uh, so as much as I blame Ted Thompson for what happened on defense, you know, I, I, I ripped Ted Thompson for... Well, I didn't rip. I, I was critical of to move to get rid of punter Tim Maste in lieu of Jacob Shum, whose who stats, quite frankly, weren't any good in Tampa. And I thought, well, how in the hell is he going to do in Green Bay? We did pretty darn well in Green Bay. So that, that was a, a good move there. So Shum averaged 54 yards a punt with a net of 47 on his two punts. So good job there. Green Bay's two punts, they had no returns on them. Um, kickoff returns, uh, nothing going on there with all the touchbacks. Um, Atlanta had... One for 23, and Green Bay returned a squib for 15. So pretty much a draw, pretty much nothing of note on special teams. But 
I, I, you know, we'll, again, we'll have year review stuff down the road. I thought Green Bay special teams really were a key during that winning streak. Where look, they were great, but they faced a bunch of great special teams. You know, I, I do my pick report special teams rankings, and they were really good. You know, at the end of the year, because you know they they faced you know Seattle and Minnesota and Dallas and all these teams that were in the top ten of my special teams rankings, and, and they they fought to at least a draw in most of those games. So a, a Really good job by Ron Zook and company to uh, get that unit straightened out at the end of the season. And that will do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Thank you, as always, for listening. And like I said, if you got any questions for me, any ideas for down the road, uh, let me know. Once again, my email address is packwriter2002 at yahoo.com, and my Twitter handle is at packreport. So once again, thank you for listening. Have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.